Welcome to the Corporate Coven Podcast, a show where we will co-create the future of work in the age of Aquarius, using contemplative career practices and holistic human resources. I'm your host, Jessica Munson, aka That Witch From Work. So something that you may not know about me is that when I was in undergrad and I was getting my degree in psychology, one of the classes I chose to take as an elective was actually a course based on the book Crucial Conversations. And by taking the class, I was like technically certified or something like that in Crucial Conversations. And I worked during that semester as a mediator in small claims court where I would sit with individuals and try to help them come to an agreement or a solution before going and standing before a judge, trying to resolve it outside of the courtroom first. And I loved it. I'm a middle child and I'm the eldest daughter. And so I've often found myself trying to be the peacekeeper, trying to be the mediator, trying to be the person that helps parties reach an agreement or something like that. And I've never shied away from conflict or contention. You could say it's because I have an Aries moon. Um, you know, that, that's one interpretation of it. But for whatever reason, I just feel comfortable or I feel at ease more so than other people when tensions are high. And actually, I did debate in high school and I loved debate because I really like to argue. And what, what it comes down to is that I like to compete especially with my ideas. And I like to compete with other people. And I don't take things personally, generally, um, because for me, it's just fun and exciting to engage in the conflict. And actually, I remember getting feedback this one time while I was getting my master's degree, we go through something called practicum. And if you have been trained as a counselor or a service provider or a therapist, then you've been through the same experience where you meet with clients, all of your sessions are recorded, and then your peers and classmates, supervisors all watch the film and then give you feedback. And I remember sitting in supervision one time and getting feedback from my classmates on one of the client videos that I had submitted. And I had been working with a client, an older gentleman who was in this session, very animated. He was standing, he was moving around the room, he had his entire body engaged in his communication, and he was feeling anger and frustration and resentment and really like high and heated emotions. And one of my classmates asked me, they said, how were you able to sit so still? Did you feel safe? Um, what was it like being in a room with someone expressing rage? <laughs> and anger. And I was like, it was fine. What do you mean? Like, it was fine. I, he wasn't mad at me. And I think that those are really like healthy emotions to feel and to express. And that's what my job was, is to hold space for him while he expressed that. And it was fine, you know, but that's also very true for my experience. I'm someone who's more uncomfortable when folks are crying and expressing sadness and grief, feeling the angry feelings it's a lot more familiar and it's a lot more comfortable for me to hold space for. 
And so something that I wanted to talk about in an episode of the podcast is actually identifying areas of the chart where conflict and tension or frustration could arise and also give some tips on how to move through that and work with it consciously because I think this is something that every single person experiences, myself included. And because I am, you know, an HR witch, a corporate witch, that witch from work, head witch of the corporate coven, I thought, you know what, let's talk about what this might feel like at work, but also in your personal life. Let's be able to identify the players and then also provide some really useful steps on how to navigate this, especially if you are managing teams. So let's get into it. Now to set the stage for this a little bit for all of my astrology newbies out there to help understand a chart us astrologers came someone I don't know who coined it originally but we all get to use it uh, is using the metaphor to help people understand the natal chart planets are the actors they're the characters they have roles that they are intended to play and things that they need to accomplish in the storyline the zodiac signs are the personality and characteristics of those actors, and it describes how they go about doing these things. The houses are the stage and the environments where the actors play these things out. So in the analogy, aspects give insight to the relationship between the actors and players. It describes the dynamics between the two. Do they get along? Are they fighting? Are they star-crossed lovers? Are they just casual friends? Do they have any, like any interaction with each other at all? These are the aspects. And if you've ever looked at a natal chart, the very, very center of it usually has all of these lines and little symbols. And those represent the aspects that exist in a chart. And so today, because we're talking about conflict and tension or challenge in relationships, I'm going to talk about the two major, or you could refer to them as the two Ptolemaic aspects that we look at, which might indicate conflict or tension in the chart and because I'm a traditional astrologer that's why I'm using the Ptolemaic aspects those identified by the astrologer Ptolemy and that is the square and the opposition you can identify a square in the natal chart because it forms a 90 degree angle now this doesn't need to be exactly 90 degrees meaning that if you have a planet in Aries at three degrees, then you find an exact 90 degree angle when there's another planet in Capricorn exactly at three degrees. There's an orb. We all have different preferences around this within five degrees, within 10 degrees. But the point is that the signs will always be in the same modality. So cardinal squares, cardinal, fixed squares, fixed, mutable squares, mutable but they don't share the same element. So this is not Aries forming a square with Leo. This is Aries forming a square with Capricorn or forming a square with Cancer. There's still cardinal signs, but they don't share the same element. So in this configuration, the energy invested into the situation is the same, right? That cardinal fixed or mutable, but the desired outcome or the methodology is different. And an example of this is Aries versus Capricorn. Aries and Capricorn will form a natural square in the natal chart and form this 90 degree angle. 
Now, both Aries and Capricorn are cardinal signs, which means that they want to initiate a project or a process. They want to get it going. They want to start. But the difference right here is their element, right? Aries is fire, whereas Capricorn is earth. So Aries just wants to start. They just want to get it going. Once they feel inspired or they have the idea for the project, they want to go full force and just figure it out. Aries energy is not the one to sit down and draw out a big strategic plan with a scope or a statement of scope. They don't want to ask permission from the different stakeholders. They don't want to research tools and talk about budget. They just want to begin and they'll figure it out as they go. Aries is very good at that actually. And they're not afraid to make mistakes along the way. Capricorn wants to begin as well. Okay. Cause it's cardinal. They had this really good idea and now they want to begin working on it as well. But Capricorn is slower. They're cautious. They're methodical. They would prefer to have a bulletproof plan before they get going because they want it to be sustainable. Change management is a big deal for Capricorn. They want buy-in. They want stakeholders. They want, they want the statement of scope. They want to be clear what the boundaries are around the project. And they want to know what implementation looks like before they begin. So you can imagine that if you are a people leader and you are managing a team and you have someone with very strong Aries energy working and partnering with someone with really strong Capricorn energy, they might experience some tension, right? They might feel that this is really difficult. And that's because they want to go about it in different ways. Even though they want to do the same thing, the way that they approach it is very different. And I want to be clear that a square does not make it impossible to work together. We want to think about squares as creating a natural tension point. And if you experience this with a 90 degree angle, you have one line running north and south and another line running east and west. They're going to cross at some point and it's going to cause a stop. Now with clients, I usually talk about how tension and friction can cause heat. And when we do this, the heat that could start a fire is useful. It can cook our food. It will keep us warm and it motivates, motivates us to work hard and to develop a sense of mastery over this challenge. But when it's unhelpful, it could cause a fire that ultimately burns down a forest. And if it feels too difficult, we disengage from the project entirely and we give up. And sometimes I say that you can hear someone experiencing a square when they say something like, it isn't worth the energy. Have you ever been in relationships like this, actually? And I've heard myself say this. I've heard my partner communicate this to me. And I've heard this in other relationships that I have privileged to witnessing the conflict and tension between the two parties or three parties is when they start to engage in some type of conflict. And then you hear someone just, you know, exasperated, just say, oh, this isn't even worth my time. This isn't even worth my energy. I'm not even going to work. I'm, I'm not even going to engage anymore. I'm going to disengage. But the thing is, is that moving through tension, navigating conflict does require energy. And it's up to every individual to determine whether or not it's truly worth the return on the investment. But it, if you want the relationship to work, if you want the project to get off the ground and go, you do need to work through this. And in the example of Aries and Capricorn trying to work together, you could see opportunities for these to be supportive 
if they're willing to engage in the conflict. Aries will be willing to execute on the MVP, the minimum viable product, and they're going to race. They're going to make sure that deadlines are met. They're not going to be afraid to make mistakes. They're going to go forward because they just really want to get it done. Capricorn will be inspired by this ambition because Capricorn really wants to meet deadlines as well. Capricorn really wants to impress. Capricorn wants to do a really good job. And so the energy of Aries could help keep Capricorn motivated and actually encourage them to accelerate their output. However, Capricorn is going to bring a more structured and methodical approach to the desired outcome, which might frustrate Aries because it will slow them down a little bit. But if Aries can acknowledge that it will be a more desirable outcome, if they're more likely to succeed and to finish the project so they can start something new, then Aries can be, you know, worked with. We can figure this out. We can temper that fire, especially if we convince Aries that, hey, once this is done, um, it will be adopted. It will be self-sustaining. So then you don't have to work on it anymore. That will be really exciting for Aries to let them know that they don't have to work on it anymore. They can cross it off of their to-do list and move on to something new and exciting. So as a people leader, as a parent, as someone who engages in relationships, as a human resources professional, whatever your relationship is to this, especially we all are going to have some type of tension point in our charts, right? So if it's a square, just be mindful that it does take energy. It really requires effort to figure this out, okay? But that's what a square feels like. Oh, it's not worth the energy. <laughs> well, maybe it is. All right. And at the end of this episode, I'll talk about different strategies to work with the square. The other Ptolemaic aspect that we look at when we think about tension, conflict, friction is an opposition. Now, this is formed when there is 180 degree aspect between two signs. And these are polar signs. This will feel especially difficult. It's like mixing oil with water. They just really don't want to come together. And similar to a square, the signs that opposition exists between, they're going to share the same modality. So a cardinal will be polar to another cardinal sign, fixed for fixed and mutable for mutable. And there will be a different element. Okay. But something unique about the opposition is that the polar signs will share a complementary energy or polarity. Earth and water share a yin energy, whereas fire and air share a yang energy. Earth and water both have this ability or this desire to settle, to reach the lowest point, to honor gravity, and they're going to have a cooling effect, right? Fire and air are going to share expansive energy. They want to shift. They want to grow. They want to move about. Okay, so there's this idea of contraction or expansion. And so in this off or sorry, in this aspect, it's usually and often where we find the idea that opposites attract. And this is what's interesting about having like your first house polar, your seventh house, who you are versus what you seek in partnership, because that's where we find the polar signs. For me, I'm an Aquarius rising. So it's fixed air and yang energy, but polar to that is the sign of Leo, which is fixed fire and yang energy. So even though there's elements that are actually very similar, 
they're considered polar signs. And I think about this because I get feedback about this with like my daughter, for example, like the classic mother-daughter relationship where we butt heads, but it's because we are so similar. <laughs> There's just enough different about us that makes it really, really hard for us to see eye to eye or to have like a super harmonious relationship. But it's actually because there's a lot of similarities between us, you know, and that's what we see in this opposition or with this like opposites attract. They're going to share the modality. They're going to share the polarity, but they will not share the same element and that's where the language that they're speaking is just different enough that it could be really difficult for come for them to come together and so i want to look at the opposition and polarity between capricorn and cancer capricorn is cardinal earth and it cares about sustainability longevity hard work um, it's very cautious but very ambitious right capricorn reaches the top of the mountain Cancer is cardinal water, so it's concerned with being a caregiver and nourishing people or the environment. It's prioritizing emotional connection and curating safe spaces. So in a work environment, the analogy that I came up with is working in a manufacturing environment. Capricorn wants lean manufacturing. It wants really high outputs. So Capricorn is inspired to have really long hours, 24-hour facilities, people working 12-hour shifts. Um, they want to ensure a sufficient output while remaining productive and profitable. Whereas Cancer might come in and say, hey, these are people. They are human. You know, are we allowing sufficient break time? Do they have safety training? Does this make sense? Is this going to give them the optimal experience as an employee? So there's this natural opposition, right? Um, it might feel impossible for them to work together because there are competing priorities between the signs. I think that some language that you hear um, with this is as opposed to it's not worth my energy you know, this acknowledgement that like, okay, this might, like we could figure this out, but I'm not sure it's going to give me the return on my investment. Opposition sounds like, oh, this is impossible. They are impossible to work with. Okay. So when this comes up on teams, it can be especially difficult to manage. And something to remember, right, is that people are not problems. So when this exists in your own chart, you are not a problem. Your chart is not a problem, but it is something that you need to manage. It is something that you need to be mindful of, okay? So in the example of Capricorn and Cancer, when we see these working together, we start seeing things like OSHA, right? Unions. We see a large governing body, because that's very Capricorn, ensuring that human rights are being prioritized, and that's cancer, without losing productivity and profit. Ultimately, we've learned that employees are most productive and engaged in their work when they have their most basic needs met and they feel safe at work. So when both of these polar signs, Capricorn and Cancer, are getting their needs met, it really is like that win-win outcome, right? We're able to have sufficient output, we have a great manufacturing process, um, we're able to keep up with supply and demand, and employees are trained, they feel safe, they have their most basic human needs met, they can go to the bathroom, they're getting paid fair wages. So it seems impossible until you figure it out. So now let's talk about how does this happen, right? Because again, we all have squares, we all have oppositions, we all experience polarity in the individuals that we work with or that we supervise or that we support. So how can we 
consciously work with the natural tension and conflict that exists in our own charts. Step number one, just become aware of it. You have to be able to name it. This is, there are so many meditations um, that just have to do with acknowledging that the discomfort is there. Thought labeling, emotion labeling, body scans. It all begins with our awareness, right? Becoming aware and naming the point of conflict or the contention, okay? And while we're on this point of becoming aware of it, I want to talk about working with an astrologer versus looking up free charts. I think that we all start astrology with looking at our chart for free. We go to some website, we enter in our birth data, we see our entire chart for the first time, and we just research the crap out of it. We look at every single free astrology blog that talks about our specific moon placement, our Pluto placement, what the, you know, we try to like look up what the squares mean by transit or natally. And that's fine. I, I love that. I did that for years and years and years. But I want to just like mention that whether you're working with me or a different astrologer, working with an astrologer will accelerate your understanding of your chart because the astrologer has had years of practice translating astrological techniques with clients. You're reading it and it's a new language. And so you can learn it, you can study it. But if you have someone there to help educate you and guide you and pull out the unique things in your chart, and I think like, you know, you start with learning, for example, that you have a Gemini moon. And then you read everything there is to know about having a Gemini moon. Then you learn what it means to have your Gemini moon in the sixth house. So you start reading about Gemini moon, you start reading about the sixth house, and you start trying to understand the intersection between those things. Then you learn that you have a Gemini moon in the sixth house that is actually square Saturn in the north node. And now you have to read about Saturn, you read about the North Node, you read about the Saturn-North Node conjunction, you read about the square to the sixth house, and then you learn what it is to have your Gemini moon in the sixth house, square Saturn, and the North Node, which is being activated by a transiting Mars retrograde. It gets complicated, but that's where you start to get clarity on the uniqueness of your chart and your experience in it. And you can spend all this time researching, or you can invest some money and sit with an astrologer who can translate it to you more effectively. Whatever is in your preference is wonderful. Whatever is accessible to you is fine. But I just want to call that out is that in order to really consciously engage in the education and the awareness of the squares or the oppositions in your chart, you need to become aware of it. You need to have a clear understanding of it. And I think one of the best ways to do that is by meeting with an astrologer. So once you've worked to develop competency around your chart and understanding and identifying those squares and oppositions, it's remembering that they are not problems that require a solution. Rather, they require your attention, empathy, and understanding. And so something that comes out of high-performing team trainings is developing psychological safety. This is always priority number one when you bring a team together. You need to practice engaging in conflict with one another. And this is true for your chart and the planets as well. So here are a few tips for establishing psychological safety in your natal chart. Number one, be engaged. This is that conscious effort that I was talking about earlier of bringing awareness to your squares and oppositions. And it's 
more than just acknowledging, oh, I have Venus square my moon. It's getting a really clear understanding of what is my moon? What are the needs and the desires and the goals? And what about the other celestial body or planet that it's being squared by? What are their needs and desires and goals? This is that mediation piece of it, right? Like you really want both parties or all parties to be part of the conversation, to have their opportunity to talk about what they're trying to accomplish, what their desired outcome is, and give them the space to communicate that. Number two, don't blame. Avoid using your difficult placements as an excuse, okay? An excuse for poor performance, for your bad behavior, or for failed outcomes or mistakes that come up in relationships, at work, wherever it's happening in your houses, right? Your health, whatever that looks like. Don't blame. It's not, oh, well, I uh, can't navigate relationships because I have my Venus squaring whatever, that's not it, okay? That's not an excuse. It's important to be aware that this could create some challenges, but it's not an excuse, okay? We don't blame things on our chart. Number three, gain awareness of transits. This is, again, useful when you're working with an astrologer or just trying to become more aware of the current transits happening astrologically. I remember one time, I think it was on the astrology podcast with Chris Brennan, and he was doing an episode on what it's like for astrologers to date other astrologers. And I believe it was Eugenia Kroc who was a guest on that episode. And she was talking about when you're in a partnership with another astrologer and you guys are, you know, you're fighting or you have some tension and asking yourself, is this, you know, a challenge in the sinistry of our chart or is this just the astrology of right now? And that awareness of, is this just the astrology of right now? When you're aware of those tension points that naturally occur in your natal chart, then you become aware of when they are activated by current astrological transits. And you can be mindful of the astrology forecasts, so what's coming up in the future, so that way you can anticipate when difficulties might arise and you can action plan on what to do to navigate those challenges that exist, right? You can differentiate between what is a challenge in my chart versus what is just a challenge right now because of a, a transit and we know that it will move on. This will leave. I'm thinking about someone that I spoke to recently about their chart that's being impacted by the Mars retrograde and it was really useful. Actually, there's a few clients that I've been working with through the Mars retrograde in their charts. It was useful to point out, hey, this is when this transit will end right? This is when you can expect to experience some relief. But until then, this is what you're moving through. You know, that's what gaining the awareness of the transits will do for you. Number four, get feedback. Now, I think that this is most useful when you're working with an objective astrologer, because it won't feel personal. They don't know you, they don't know your life. So, um, when they're talking about your chart and they're explaining to you, this could be how people experience you. It's nice to get an idea of that, especially when looking at the more challenging placements in your chart or those tension points, right? But you can also talk to the important people in your life. Just be sure that this person is someone that you do trust and that they are in a place to offer this feedback 
Otherwise, it will be skewed by their own perception. I mean, it always will be, but like hurt people hurt people. So if they're not in a good place and you're asking for feedback about something difficult, it might just turn into event session where they blame you for all of the challenges that you've experienced with them. So just be mindful of that. But I do think it's important to get feedback because this is where other people really get to serve as your mirror. Um, I'm thinking specifically of a client that I worked with where I was reflecting back to them. People might experience you as someone who can be very critical. You know, your intentions are motivated by improvement and making the situation better and bringing awareness to that is important. And other people might hear you and just think, wow, this person's really opinionated (laughs) and they're very critical of me. So that's why I love working with astrologers, even for myself, is so you can get that objective perspective and it doesn't feel hurt like hurt it doesn't feel like it's cutting you or an attack on you so that is the end of this episode I hope that it was useful and I hope that it resonated and I want you to think about these steps for establishing psychological safety within your own chart and for any of you that are people leaders you likely have people on your team that naturally form a square or an opposition dynamic and hopefully this will give you some insight in how to manage those team players so that way you can get the best work out of them and ensure a productive and efficient team thank you for listening to today's episode if you want a more in-depth consultation on your natal chart and how to work consciously with the aspects, consider booking a reading with me. You can visit my booking page at www.thatwitchfromwork.com.